This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. You're listening to All Possibilities. Meet Steve Little of Zero Limits Ventures, a truly amazing man as an acclaimed entrepreneur who has founded and grown successful ventures of all kinds, with his first commercial venture at only 13 years old. He's also exited six tech businesses at an average of more than $120 million and even raised more than $1 billion for 11 technology startups. The thing is, in spite of this incredible success, he simply wasn't happy. And then, a spiritual awakening in Steve led to a more fulfilling life of inspiring others through socially-minded business. You'll also hear about a remarkable experience in the Amazon and a Hawaiian healing prayer technique that is now a part of his everyday. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to All Possibilities. I'm so glad you could join us today. I am here with a very special guest. His name is Steve Little, and he calls himself the founder of Zero Limits Ventures, but I know there's so much behind that that we want to unpack today. (laughs) So, Steve, it's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So let's start off by having you share with us what you do professionally and how you actually got there. Yeah. Um, well, as is usually the case, there are some interesting stories that lead you know, to one, one way or another. Um, I guess officially what I do is I run a boutique investment banking firm. So just professionally, that's what it sounds like. Um, but there's a number of things involved in that that are sort of evidential of my personal superpower, if you will. Um, I'm the kind of person who can walk into a business and very quickly understand what's going on here and what are the dynamics that are affecting the value of the business, the potential of the business, and so forth. A good friend of mine describes it this way, that I can walk up to a three-dimensional chessboard and immediately see every winning move on the board, right? And that's my little superpower. I don't know why I have it. I don't know. It just really serves me well, right? And it serves the people that I work with well. Um, And so what I find is that there are lots of uh, really intricate um, aspects of building value in businesses that are usually ignored and certainly not picked up by other investment banking firms or brokers or people that deal with the M&A world. 
So that's you know an application of this sort of personal skill that allows us to generate much greater rates of return. We get an average of two to five hundred percent more for the businesses we represent than they would otherwise get, um, and it's just through this sort of intuiting our way through where's the real magic in this business that that we we get that. I think that um, that ability or that desire really to provide that value sort of comes out of a journey that that I started some years ago when I left the technology world. So I came up in the Silicon Valley, you know, venture backed software world, extremely high pressure. Um, you know, I got into it with the notion of, hey, do a startup, get some VC money, take it public, be rich, right? like that, right? I mean, sort of everybody's story. Um, and while I actually did attain a great deal of that success uh, financially or by other metric, I was personally extremely unhappy, extraordinarily unhappy. As a matter of fact, I was telling the story yesterday that um, I literally cried to work every day. It hurt so much to go to work. Like I get emotional wow. just recalling that experience. It was horrible. And, you know, it was the kind of thing where I knew something was wrong. <laughs> I, I didn't see anybody else in traffic bawling their eyes out going to work, right? So, you know, but I really had no understanding or no way of knowing how to move, right? So the irony is that I've got this superpower for other businesses, but I couldn't figure out how to make a move in my own life, right? And, um, you know, it just sort of felt like, you know, my lifestyle had grown up around a big income. I had a big horse ranch. It is, you know, I traveled, yada, da 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 You know, I, I can't let that go. I spent my whole life getting there. So how do I just quit? I can't just quit, right? But actually, in the end, that's exactly what had to happen, is I just had to quit. I didn't have anything else set up. I didn't have a path. I wasn't thinking of another kind of anything. I just knew I had to stop doing what I was doing or it was probably going to kill me, right? And um, I certainly couldn't continue to be that unhappy. Um, that then put me on sort of an individual spiritual journey. I mean, I had some realizations in that process. Just, I know it sounds silly today, but just the courage of saying, no, I'm not coming back to the investors who had funded me for all those years was it felt like a very courageous thing to do, right? But what was beneath that was just an appreciation for um, there has to be something bigger that, you know, it can't be the case that I'm supposed to just keep running on this treadmill harder and harder and harder and harder and longer and longer and longer and longer, accumulating more and more and more wealth when there isn't any outcome, right? It's just something is missing. And so that's what I went to seek. I started looking for, well, what's missing? I mean, what, you know, what are the things that are going to make me happy? And how do I get on a trajectory of, of, of self-realization or actualization? Probably a better way to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, studied a lot of different techniques and belief orientation and law of attraction and, you know, all just all of these things as you clearly know about. Um, and I was connected with an individual by the name of Dr. Hugh Len, a teacher, sort of current father of a Hawaiian healing technique called Ho'oponopono. Uh -huh. And um, I got very deeply involved in that, got a, generated or created a great understanding of what was really going on 
uh, in terms of my relationship with the universe and spirituality. And, you know, for me, it was more convenient to refer to the universe as God, but I don't really care who, how you want to refer it. It's not a, it's not a religious thing to me. It's a spiritual thing. Right. For, um, for, sorry to, for those who are not familiar with the technique, can you explain what it is? Yeah, it's very straightforward. What it means? Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a clearing technique and it comes from, it's the fundamental principle is that your entire experience is generated out of belief. So you're, you're living in a belief created universe. Um, and the beliefs are determining how you experience life. So if you're in upset of some sort, it's because there's a lack of clarity or there's some limiting belief or some, uh, some subconscious or unconscious memory is playing and that's causing you to have this negative experience, which might be frustration, anger, pain, sorrow, any negative response, right? So what you want to do, you don't want to carry that forward because the longer you carry it forward, the more you put out. And if the more of that you put out, the more of that you're going to get and everybody else is going to get. So it's our goal. It's our objective as humans to continually clean these negative energy sources, right? And the mechanism for doing that is a very simple mantra. You say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And, you know, there's all kinds of contextual reference points to those four statements. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what order you say them in. It doesn't really matter if you say them out loud. It doesn't, you know, really doesn't matter. What matters is that you keep to the cleaning. Because um, what you come to understand, or what I came to understand, is we're if we're really all energy and all of this is really a belief generated reality, then I'm as affected by your beliefs as you are mine. And so when, you know, if I'm experiencing you a particular way, it doesn't matter where the source of that is. It has to be cleaned. So just clean. Right. And so I don't need to worry about, well, I'm going to clean that thing or I'm going to clean that problem. It doesn't matter. Just clean. Right. So, and if you, if you do that, what you find is that you sort of, it runs like a program all the time, just constantly cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. And then when you see something or experience something like, you know, an angry person in a grocery store line, right? What you recognize is you have multiple ways of reacting to that. One is you can be critical and judge that person. Like, why are they so mean? Right. What a mean person. Um, or you can accept that, well, everyone is always expressing the highest level of love they have available to them. And so right in that moment, that's all that person has available. And as soon as you say that, your consciousness shifts from either anger or judgment to compassion. From compassion is love. Now you can actually love that person and be compassionate and say, gosh, you know, what a horrible experience to be in that place right now at the grocery store line, right? Wow. And then you clean, and it diminishes the energy, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was a long-winded answer to a simple question about what Ho'oponopono was, but it's a principal method that I use to keep myself balanced throughout the day. You know, it's sort of a constant thing, and anytime I see something that's disruptive, it's really easy to just automatically, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I get back to what I'm doing. Okay, right. You know, there's other techniques. I mean, um, I developed a program some years ago, having come through this gauntlet myself of leaving a, a high tech career and 
big paychecks and understanding that, no, this is what you really want to do is get on a, a pathway of passion, a pathway of love, a pathway of contribution. Um, and so I, you know, I sort of got on my pathway. And once I got there, I realized that, you know, a lot of other people need to know how to get here because there's a lot of people that are stuck like I was and are completely lost and they're going to die too. <laughs> right? So, you know, so I created a program which is designed to teach these practices to help people clear out and eliminate their limiting beliefs or clear out their negative self-talk or eliminate the things that are causing them to not see what's available to them. But I have an analogy that I used to teach. Um, think about it this way. Your, your unsupportive unconscious thoughts, whether they're limiting beliefs or negative self-talk or whatever kind you have, uh, are like lenses that cover your vision. Like if you were born with uh, red lenses over your eyes, right? Um, then you would, you, you know, over time we would we would come to call different colors the same color. So if we looked at a white wall, to me it would be white. To you it would be pink, right? But it, you would still call it white because that was always white to you. See what I'm saying? Well, if that's the case, then anything that matched the color of that lens would be invisible to you. You wouldn't see it at all, right? Yet I would see it all around you. And that's a distinction that's made when you think of these beliefs. These beliefs are like lenses over your eyes and there's opportunity. You're literally swimming in opportunity everywhere you go, every day, all the time. But you can't see most of it because you have all these beliefs that are keeping you from seeing what's possible. Right. So you start stripping those away, peeling those lenses off and things are revealed to you like magic. Right. So you hear people say, well, you know, I needed a parking spot. It was like magic. Well, okay, But really what happened is you it became apparent to you. I mean, it, it wasn't magic. It just became visible to you. Right. And so, you know, there are techniques that you can use to peel these lenses off and get more clarity. You know, the objective, of course, is to get complete clarity. I'm not sure what happens when you get there. You know, having studied some things in the jungles of Amazon and Guatemala, it's like, well, I don't know, maybe I become a tree. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not 100% sure I want to be that clear yet. <laughs> right? and, so, and what did you study there? <laughs> well, I just, I took a trip uh, with my partner and we spent uh, a couple of weeks with the Ashwar people. Uh, which is a tribe, an indigenous tribe that was discovered 20 years ago. And we got to spend a lot of time with their shaman and and uh, experience a number of their medicines and techniques and, you know, ceremonies. It was really fascinating. Um, and I was thankful to have um, the, have been so open-minded to experience it all because I really felt the experience. Yeah, so... That's incredible. I, I love I love this kind of sense of openness and discovery with all the different types of techniques and yeah. and, and really around the world. Um, I'm curious. So so in my mind, the context is that you kind of came out of startup venture capital world, mm -hmm. investment banking world. I would imagine that it's fairly conservative, or that people that you may not have had. Um, peers that you could have talked to about this. What, oh, no. what, what was that dynamic like? <laughs> it locked me and, up. And, <laughs> and, and how did you, 
how did how did you come to terms with it yourself? Mm. Because it's sort of you know um, interrelated with identity and who you are and who everyone no, else. Is. Oh, you hit the nail right on the head. As a matter of fact, it was very challenging. Um, uh, what I wanted to do is go you know pure spiritual. I just really wanted to get people to understand. Look, there's something way bigger than you going on here, and you're part of it, and you got to play your part, right? I was telling Mark yesterday, I, I, uh, I believe, I don't know if this is true, but I believe that, look, we all have a purpose. And whether you know it or not, your purpose is going to be fulfilled whether you cooperate or not. It's going to be fulfilled. It's easier if you cooperate than if you don't. But it's still <laughs> going to be fulfilled, right? So I wanted to sort of go out there with that message because it was a grand revelation to me at 50-some years old, right? Um, life-changing in every way, right? And I no longer experience the kind of stress and suffering and misery and, and I make just as much money as I did then. And, you know, so I've, it's really cost me nothing other than to really understand that this is a much better way to live. So that's what I wanted to take out. But for, for the very reason you described, because my identity was so locked in to business and business professional and you know, sort of the high order of, of investing in, in the startups. I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could credibly shed that skin and show up as a shaman. And it'd be like, what? What happened to Steve? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? And no one, and I wouldn't have any credibility as a result. So I had to find a way to leverage um, my professional posture or position, if you will, um, lack of a better word, as a way, as a fulcrum, as a way to step off into this other part of the journey. And it's been fascinating. The first step was the program I described, which is really all about clearing techniques. People buy a program called the Perfect Biz Finder, which is how to find a perfect business for you. You think you're going to get like sales techniques and marketing techniques and, you know, templates and forms and you don't get any of that. You just get a lot of spiritual guidance, right? You get the more important stuff. Yeah, you do. You absolutely do. And it's fascinating because I was, just the other day when I went to the New Media Summit, I'd never been. And uh, while I was there, I run into a guy who's, who's we're standing around talking. He looks at me at one point and says, hey, you're the video guy. You did the biz finder. I said, yeah. He said, wow, man, you're the reason I'm here. Thanks. Right. It's really an amazing feeling. So we put, you know, 200,000 people through that program and they're out there somewhere, you know, and they're hopefully enjoying the lives that they have to live and doing the things that they think are important to do and contributing in a significant way. Right. So for me, what I found is that I could make the transition that way. Then once I'd sort of gotten grounded on, okay, now I understand how to live into this and still be a professional, right? Because I'm, I'm not a shaman and I don't really want to be a shaman, right? Um, then I was able to, to, you know, sort of come back to my profession, started Zero Limits Ventures. But I, as you can tell, I have a very different approach to M&A and venture investing and, and supporting and managing clients and business. Um, but using the grounding that I developed in that spiritual journey as the basis of that, of how I interact with people. For instance, one of the things that we do is 
we will only work with companies that are mission oriented. So you, your business has to be about something bigger than your business, whether it's housing kids in Haiti or, you know, feeding kids down to the waterfront. It doesn't matter to me what it is, but it's got to be something, right? And it's because it's those things that cause us to see that there's more important things going on and that profitability and earnings and growth are going to happen by themselves if you focus on those things. If you focus on profitability and earnings and growth, it becomes a challenge. It becomes the thing that you fight with every day. It's the war zone, right? And you typically lose in the end. So get focused on something that's really meaningful, really contributes something significant in the world. The rest of it becomes automatic and it's easy. Let's take a break. And when we come back, you'll hear more from Steve Little about his journey and in particular about how he views social impact and social mission in, um, in generating the kinds of profits that he just mentioned. We'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. So glad you're back. I'm here with Steve Little, founder of Zero Limits Ventures. And there's actually two things I want to talk about. Um, one is kind of right before the break, you had mentioned your approach is unique in terms of looking for companies um, in terms of social mission. So let's start there. The second thing I want to go more into kind of personal, you had mentioned um, with your children, just how how you kind of impart spiritual principles to them. So sure. we'll save that uh, a little bit later, but sure. let's start with um, business. Yeah. Well, I think, um, so it, it comes out of a couple of different aspects of, you know, sort of living into this person I want to be. Um, and one of them is, uh, is my recognition that when a, an individual or a group of individuals uh, is or are focused on, you know, the things that are really significant in their lives, the real contributions they're here to make, the real purpose, the real passion they have, and so forth, that everything else just takes care of itself. The money comes, the people come, the customers come, the, you know, whatever. All of that happens by itself. It's hard to accept when you're sitting on the other side of that conversation. It's hard to believe that that's true. Well, what I find is that since I'm sort of the uh, qualified expert on my subject matter, mergers and acquisitions, that people will listen to me 
right? And so I can use that propensity for listening to embed a message, an informative message of, you know, how a person can actually pursue the things that are critically important to them and have the success they want at the same time. So as an example, one of the ways it started out is um, it's sort of a well-understood fact that in the M&A world, the last couple of weeks before an actual transaction, the seller becomes irrational. I mean, just nutty, right? <laughs> um, and there's all kinds of things going on there. So, you know, as a professional in that business, we have a little bit of, you know, psychologist in us where we have to help that person stay grounded in what's about to happen. Well, what I found was that if I start like a month before that, so six weeks from the transaction, and I start to orient that seller on what's next for them, like, you know, we're going to put $20 million in your bank. What are you going to do? I mean, aside from give half of it to the government, what are you going to do with the rest, right? I mean, do you have a plan? Do you know what you want to do next? And you'd be surprised how many people don't because they're seeing the sale of their business as the end game, right? But what I try to get them to understand is, no, that's the beginning. That's You, you now have the ante to do whatever it is you're here to do. So what, do you, what is that going to be? And what I find is that if I get them focused on developing that vision of contribution of giving of participating you know in the network of human passions that um the transaction becomes just something that happens they they have a new dimension of rationality they're able to focus on you know this time next year i'm gonna have built you know i don't know i'm stuck on haiti but five homes in haiti for impoverished people or something or i will have designed a new you know, plastic processing plant that, you know, makes currency out of paper, uh, plastic bottles or something, right? So it moves past, moves them past this, you know, this fearful big event that uh, they get irrational about. Well, so I kept sort of in that vein of thinking as I continued to develop those aspects of our working relationship with our clients. And at the same time, through a uh, mutual friend of ours, um, Melinda Whitstock, I learned some really interesting things about the value of culture, mission orientation, and social media in terms of the value of a business. So it turns out that if we invest the time and the energy to quantify um, things like mission orientation, um, we're able to identify a significant contribution to valuation created by that mission. Goldman Sachs did a study some time ago that identified that companies that had mission orientation as critical, so think Tom Shoes, right? Critical aspects of the business, not a bolt-on, um, grew in value a thousand times faster than companies that didn't, right? So if my mission is to help people build more valuation, clearly that's one of the mechanisms that makes sense. And it aligns with my personal passion, which is to get people aligned in a spiritual purpose, right? So those two things collided in my business as, wow, this is a way that I can leverage both the, the intrinsic financial value of being mission-oriented with the spiritual value of being mission-oriented improve this person's life and the lives of everybody in the company while we also improve the forms of business, 
right? Which is pretty cool. So the same thing applies in social media, social intelligence, and culture and cultural development. Well, you won't find many bankers, many investment bankers out there that are focusing on those areas for value creation. Most of them are doing it by the numbers. And that's one of the unique attributes of working with us. And it's one of the reasons people work with us. And it's one of the reasons why we have the success we have. And frankly, it's the reason why I enjoy what I do so much. Because I know that every organization we work with moves through this transformation and ends up doing something really significant in the world. And that feels great. I um, used to work in city government and one of the teams that I was on was looking at social enterprises in New York City and how how we can um, strengthen that culture and, and just kind of move that sector forward. One of the things, and I guess like at that time, I was on a spiritual journey as well. And one of the questions that I wondered about, which I'm hoping you can have insight on, is, is that it felt like there were so many different companies that had a social mission, but it, to me, it felt like it actually didn't align with the founder's yeah. individual yeah. purpose. Yeah. And if anything, it was, it was sort of surface level yeah. of, I know this will generate interest. Yeah. I know this will generate buzz, but there was a disconnect and yeah. maybe on an emotional level between what it was that they truly could mm-hmm. create and, and, and their vision. So yeah. I'm wondering what yeah. you've seen around well, that. Absolutely. They missed is basically what happened, right? So, um, I mean, because there's an infinite number of things available, right? Missions and all kinds of things you can contribute to, right? And they're all good. But to point you're making is, but they don't necessarily drive a, a cultural element deep in the organization. And that's the missing piece. Because as long as it sort of feels like it's something on the surface, it's like um, last year we saw a little bit of a backlash when Kentucky Fried Chicken put the pink label on their bucket, right? It's like, what? You know, we're going to put a cancer ribbon on a carcinogen. Mm-hmm. What? Mm. You know, what are we, what are we doing? Okay, <laughs> right? Complete miss in the market, right? Big backfire. Because it, nobody, it wasn't real. It was, it was a something that, you know, some probably really qualified marketing person just came up with, right? So we should do this. Um, right idea, wrong execution. I don't know if you ever read the book uh, called The Values Factor. Um, really interesting book. Um, and one of the things that I took away from it is that the value of your business will track to your personal values if you're the business owner. So if I'm the business owner and I value homes in Haiti, the value, what my business does is going to track to what I value. If I value mastery, it's going to track to mastery. If I value excellent, it's going to track to excellent. If I value, you know, giving, it's going to track to giving, right? Um, and so, I mean, that's part of the leadership role of the, of the company, right? If you're the leader. Um, and so if, if the leader, let's say, you know, you value um, mastery of, um, and I don't know, giving to the homeless or something. I, I don't know, just making something up. Um, but what you choose as a company is, you know, an eco brand. Well, there's a disconnect. I mean, they're not, they're both good and they're both things that should be done, but either your company is going to be 
passionate and moving in the direction of EcoBrand and you're going to be dragging along with your desire to, you know, feed starving kids, or your company is going to follow you and people are going to be relatively dissatisfied with what they're contributing to because they want to do EcoBrand and you're feeding kids, right? right? So it's important that this be a real conversation and that, you know, people really get on board with what's happening and what's, you know, what you really want to contribute to. So it can't just be, you know, hey, here's a good cause. Let's do this. You know, there needs to be some real thought. There, In my opinion, it needs to be fully integrated into the company. So it needs to become part of every day. You know, something needs to be there every day about this, this objective. Mm. So we talked about companies let's shift gears to families yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you approach um kind of sharing or or teaching or, yeah. or kind of exposing your family yeah it's interesting this? um so now uh, so this is taking it backwards huh? one daughter's married the other daughter out of college married creating a family the other daughter is um uh sophomore in college on her way um both of them had exposure to these principles while I was in the midst of the experience myself. So, you know, they sort of watched their old man go through a transformation and they heard the language change. They heard the messaging change. They heard me shift from, you know, hard driving CEO to more, you know, let's be passionate and compassionate and, you know, love people into success, right? That kind of thing. Very different sort of attitude. I spent quite a while coaching other executives when I first sort of emerged in this place. And unbeknownst to me, my daughter's bedroom was right up the top of the stairs from my office. And she would just soak it all in, listen to all this teaching and all this, all these principles, and all the, you know, all these practices like, you know, creating a list of intentions and framing the intentions as if they're already completed and, and, you know, meditating and, you know, all the different things that I was teaching other people to do to help get clear about what they wanted. She was just doing because she was hearing it, right? And even though she was in grade school at the time, it was affecting her view of the world, right? So her worldview developed into a very spiritual, not religious, but very spiritual posture, right, that she carries forward with her. And she is very empathetic. She's very compassionate. She's very passionate. She's really senses people and to see her, you know, sort of blossoming into this really beautiful person, very rewarding, you know, but, but also very important, right? Now, the older daughter is just a little further on the journey, right? But it's the same for her. I mean, she went through this transformation herself a little later, um, but she, you know, she has um, really connected with what she's here to do. And, you know, she's the kind of person that her role is to just infuse everything with positive energy, you know? So she walks into a room and it's just like a huge wave of positivity just blasted in here. And everybody, you can literally see it. Everybody stands more erect. Everybody sits better. Everybody communicates better. Everybody's smiling, right? It's just an amazing experience to watch. She doesn't even know she does it probably, right? But that's because it's just part of who she is, right? So in both cases, you know, my daughters just sort of picked it up. Uh, one sense was just by 
watching me and experiencing me and the shift in me, because there was a dramatic shift in me. There's no, no doubt about that. I was a very angry man. Okay. <laughs> um, but also, you know, they've really selected what they want to put in practice. And they, you know, they've tried the things that didn't work and they stopped those and they do other things that do work. And, you know, so now they're sort of on their own journey, you know, picking up their own methodologies and using their own tools and developing their own, you know, audio programs to meditate by or, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, which is fascinating because now it creates a really interesting ground of communication for me and my daughters, right? So as I get older and, and you know, the things you talk about with your children shift and, you know, to know that we can sit around and talk about, hey, you know, I tried, I, you know, I took this audio and I put this binaural with it and I did this and wow, it's been really effective for me. You should try it. I mean, that's a, just a neat conversation to have, right? That is. <laughs> so, you know, it's fun. Is there something new on the horizon that you'd like to explore from, from a spiritual technique perspective that you haven't yet? Hmm. Uh, I don't know about a technique. Um, I, personally, um, I've determined that, I mean, I, I have a daily meditation practice, but, it, but it's really a daily quiet practice. I mean, it's, I, I've never really studied anything like TM or, I mean, I've, I read, you know, a book about meditation. It's you no know, big deal, but, um, but I'd like to really explore that more deeply, personally, um, that I feel like there's something deeper, something more available to me if I can go deeper in my meditation. So I'm pretty good at quieting my mind and, you know, silencing the monkey mind and all that. That's sort of day to day. You become skillful with that. Um, but I feel like there's another layer or more layers of growth um, available to me, and I haven't tapped into them yet. One of the things that um, I took out of my experience in the Amazon was that um, I'm here to to be a, a light source for the universe. That I mean, it's there's actually a visual image of this huge light beam blasting out of my chest and covering the entire sky in one of the ceremonies we did there. Right. And it's really about carrying this message and getting just as many people as possible to understand it. So I think that there's definitely a, an impact waiting for me if I can get down to another layer in my spiritual growth. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited for you to explore <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so let's take a break and when you come back, we're going to dive into an intuitive reading that I've already done for oh, Steve. Cool. And uh, <laughs> don't go away. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. 
Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. All right, so glad you are back. I'm here again with Steve Little, and this time we're going to talk about an intuitive reading that I've already done for him. So this is more for Steve, since um, you're you're probably all aware of the the general process. But how I work is I first meditate and I tune into your name and your email address, which was all I had, and I connect with something called the Akashic Records, yeah. which which is kind of, I imagine, this beautiful library of information on every soul in terms of their thoughts, emotions, and things they um, want to you know, bring out into this world. Yeah. And uh, my strongest sense is clear audience, which means that I hear thought forms. And when I do this, I'm fully conscious at my laptop and I'm just typing and I see myself as a scribe. It. And it's sort of a very subtle, energetic um, frequency I'm tuning into mm-hmm. and I'm just typing until I know when to stop. So fascinating. Um, technically I can ask any question in the Akashic records and for the, the kind of professional work that I do, I go into, you know, what is your life purpose? How does this relate to your business or how does this relate to, um, you know, anything that's going on in your life? And uh, I work with entrepreneurs and executives around that. For the purpose of this, but just because of the amount of time we have, I ask, what is the highest guidance for you at this time? So kind of given everything that's going on, <laughs> what is the one thing that I can share with yeah, you great. that can help you move forward and help you align to, to who you are on a soul level? <laughs> <laughs> and um, how I work is that for some reason everything comes out in third person so it might refer to you as steve as he him like those pronouns and refers to me as you and then every so often there are words in all caps so that means that these particular words are just more important um, they're just more emphasized and my visual signal is i'll just hold two fingers up like this to let you know that as i'm speaking those words um, they are in all caps. And for our audience listening, I'll just say all caps after that particular word. Okay. And um, it's around three paragraphs long. Um, I get an image also. I usually, I'll hear, okay, it's time time to close my eyes for an image. And, I'll, um, and then I'll see sort of streaming video. And usually this is uh, because an image is worth a thousand words. And because everything f- comes through as a metaphor. So... Um, sometimes things are not literal. It, there's kind of a deeper meaning to it and just more nuance that can be yeah. conveyed through a metaphor. And then I also get an action step. So something for you to reflect on. Awesome. Exciting. Great. So, so I guess as you hear, um, me kind of share this verbatim, just allow yourself to absorb, um, the information and allow yourself to follow the imagery. You might find, um, you know, some thoughts bubble up, some, you might be reminded of a memory or a story and just 
keep that all in there. We're going to, you know, afterwards, I'm going to ask you, how does this resonate and what does it bring up for you? Sure. Thoughts, memories, stories, and just see it as a jumping off point for, for discussion. Right. Great. Beautiful. For you, I asked, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? And it says, it is like the waterfall with its powerful force in the river's current combines with the force of the earth's gravity causing a cascade all caps he stood at the bottom of the waterfall in its midst looking up at the sheer power all caps of the water falling above him he hears the roar of the water as it interacts with the air rushing by and crashing on the rocks below. He is unscathed by standing so nearby, but there is a sense of danger, all caps, and excitement, all caps, with being so close to being pummeled by nature. What trips him up is when he actually steps too close and he feels the sheer physical, all caps, force of the waterfall on his shoulders. It is beyond a soft massage. It is the force of nature, all caps, upon him, unrelenting. In order to be aware of where he is, and what the boundaries are, he has to test it a little bit, like stepping his toe in. Over time, he understands what it means to be standing under the waterfall safely, all caps. And then the image that I saw is a continuation of this metaphor. It says, you see him standing at the bottom of the waterfall, looking up. It is a tall and thin waterfall, but nonetheless full of power, all caps. He then is curious to go around, all caps, the waterfall, stepping gingerly until he is actually behind, all caps, the wall of water. He looks up and there is a curve of rocks above, forming a sort of umbrella. Mist surrounds him from the force of the water on the rocks. Behind the falls, it is remarkably cooler and peaceful, all caps. He cannot see beyond the falls, as the water obscures the lush greenery beyond. Does he prefer standing here in this quiet oasis, where the water feels still, despite the rage? Or does he prefer standing outside the falls, looking up and around the beautiful scenery? He prefers this quiet and almost solitude, like being in a secret cave where he can find respite. And then the action step is to look in his life where this location is. 
And this could be metaphorically speaking. Where is this peace that is juxtaposed against the power of nature? Where does he feel like he can have that quiet solitude, even as the sounds of rushing water roars around him? The more he is in that space, the more he connects with himself and with nature. Mm. So that's the end of the reading. I'd love wow. to hear how this resonates and what this brings up for you. Yeah, that's Thoughts, fascinating. memory, stories. Um, well, yeah, lots of different things. Um, <sighs> um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. So, uh, um, sort of replaying some of the imagery that I was getting. Um, the it's not uncommon for um, descriptions like power to come up in my experience. Um, because I think that, you know, that's it's the, the capacity for influence. So there's that piece. Um, I actually had an experience very much like that in the Amazon. Right? <laughs> so it's, I kept remembering, like, yeah, yeah, I was behind the waterfall. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> so, whether it was a literal or metaphorical. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, it is true that I prefer, uh, at least in, you know, when I really need the respite when I really need to rejuvenate and reconnoiter, I guess I really want that solitude, you know, so that's really meaningful to me. The place for me, um, could be a number of things, both of which involve loud water, waterfalls one, that's clear. So jungle, that sort of thing, but also the beach for me is a place where I find a lot of peace and plenty of water going on there, right? Matter of fact, um, just popped into my head, uh, one of the experiences I had during one of the ceremonies in the Amazon was one-on-one -on -one with the shaman. And um, understand he speaks Kichwa, you know, so there's no verbal communication there. Um, but during the ceremony, uh, one of the visions I had is he actually embodied me, he went into my feet and, came out my head, right? And um, we went on a journey together. And our journey was to um, a sand cliff at the beach. And he introduced this to be my space. This is my safe spot. So he showed it to me, revealed it to me, and then we journeyed back to the jungle. But um, from time to time, you know, that vision... You might even call it a visitation of that space occurs. And he and I are there together as friends, enjoying that space, right? So I think that's interesting that it concludes like that. Beautiful. So so I guess the the highest guidance here is be in that space. Yeah. And, and find more and more um, places where you can have that respite. And... And know that there's, it, it, you can even be in the imagery, and I'll send this to you by email so that right. you can have it, right. because it's, it, it's this interesting duality between the quiet and the peacefulness and this kind of raging power. Next well, yeah, to it. and the and the uh, 
perhaps ill-advised fearlessness, right? It's like, okay, sensing danger, but, you know, becoming careless and stepping into the danger, right? It's like that. Um, and, you know, I live that in my life. I, you know, I'm fine. And then, you know, I'll go a little too far. And then, it, you know, something comes crashing down. Like, uh, darn, could have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah, interesting, really. But I also feel like if I don't test it, so right. that's another one, is that right. I, mean, I really do get that if I'm not testing it, then I really don't know how far I can go. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's almost, I feel almost obligated to go as far as possible, right? mm -hmm. to push the envelope as far as I can, because that's where I'm going to create the greatest contribution. Right. 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 And it seemed like all of that is, is necessary. It's just kind of dipping your toe in, yeah. knowing it's a waterfall, but also knowing that every time you do it, you, you have more and more clarity around how to actually do that safely. Right. And it seemed like that was, that was just the whole point was to, um, to be on that journey to determine what that is. Yeah. Really interesting. Right. One of the things that, um, in the early on that came out for me was, um, and maybe it was because I had just talked about the light, but the whole point of my, what I got out of the, the biggest thing I got out of that ceremony in the jungle was that I'm doing the right thing. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. Right. Just don't be dissuaded. Don't be, you know, distracted. Just keep going because my influence is, you know, massive. Right. Which is a responsibility and exciting at the same time. Right. And so I got something similar in the very beginning of your reading there, whereas, you know, it's like catalyzing. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm creating, I'm leveraging more and more. So was, if we use the light, as my light strikes other people, they have their own light, right? And then they strike other people, and it goes like that. Right. So, so this is where I think the blending, so put it, reduce it down into practical reflection on their interview, the blending of teaching spiritual principles, teaching the importance of passion and the importance of really attending to the things that matter in life as part of business becomes a, a multiplying catalyst where for those, I mean, it, not everybody will take it, right? It's just like any other spiritual thing. Not everybody takes it. But if they do and they implement in their own lives, now they're the influencers. They're driving more people into awareness, right? And when, I think when it really comes down to it, it's just awareness. It's just a really powerful thing to be aware that, you know, look, this is a belief generated universe. Our energies are all intertwined. There is no there, there, okay? <laughs> right? It's all here right now, right? Um, just being aware of that really helps you make better decisions and take more appropriate actions and, you know, look at situations and find ways to calm not generate you know right and that everyone can then become the ripple effects yeah. becoming the light wherever they are in their own families and communities and their own businesses right, right. so that's right. then you, you actually can envision like i know it sounds crazy but like no war no conflict i mean you, i mean that's a, a natural culmination of if everyone could universally accept this truth then there'd be no reason for any of those things. Just like there's no reason for the lady to be yelling in the grocery line. <laughs> right? But what she needed was compassion. 
not criticism and judgment, right? Criticism and judgment has got her there. Doing more of that's not going to help. But if you could interact with her in compassion and all of a sudden she feels loved, not disdained. Right. Wow. What a big shift. <laughs> right? so, and that, yeah. I think, is the the biggest takeaway for our listeners is to, to do whatever you can in whatever environment. Yeah. So I guess one last thing, Steve, how can our audience connect with you and your work? Um, well, certainly my website, which is zerolimitsventures.com. Um, there is a page there that um, I offer a lot of free stuff. There's like a free report and there's a video lesson and some things. Uh, that's uh, zerolimitsventures.com forward slash access. Um, there's also an opportunity to just schedule an hour with me on the phone. You just fill out a form and you get put on my calendar. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> Great. Well, Steve, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show and to share your journey with us and your insights. It's been, I, I just admire, you know, the the kind of shift that you've had in your personal life and then the light that you're able to create not only for the businesses that you work with, but in your family as well. Yeah, so so well, thank, thank you, you very much. I very much enjoyed it. You're welcome. And to our listeners, I hope that you take something away from this interview. Um, think about, you know, what your waterfall is and what your place of solitude and peace is and go, go out and find it. Until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.